Hey guys, it's Jack. Welcome in to another podcast. Before we get to Randy Brett, just a couple of quick notes. Uh, hey, if you want me to do ads for you in this podcast, you've got a great opportunity. Uh, looking for a title sponsor, looking for sponsors. So contact me if you're interested in that. You know a business that might be somebody's going to get a great deal on this thing. And then the other thing that I want to mention is that we got a new podcast here on the NRG network. We're kind of expanding this thing slowly, but surely it's going to be a podcast network. The next one we're adding is uh, my co-host, Caleb Henry. He's got a podcast, Hey Dad, where he is uh, going to be talking to uh, dads. Uh, about a variety of things, their experiences. He's a relatively new dad. His first episode is with former Husker offensive lineman and now Dr. Rob Zadiska. So you can check that out. Go to our website, klin.com. You can find that uh, or check out Caleb's Twitter feed. All right, there you go. That's what we got going on this week. Now let's get to Randy Bretz. Hey, welcome everybody to the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Another episode. Uh, hey, hey, thanks everybody real quick for... Uh, uh, for the feedback from last week, had a lot of good feedback. I know it was an, an older interview that we sort of recovered from the archives uh, with Kent Pavelka, but I, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you if you didn't hear it yet, go back and, and take a listen to that, and the whole thing is uh, available on uh, all the places you get podcasts. You can listen to any of the episodes. We go all over the place uh, from from personalities to sports to politics to, to faith and um, all kinds of things, and, and today... Uh, our guest um, it can can probably cover a lot of a lot of different things. Uh, <laughs> I was just wondering which one of those categories I fit I, into. I think maybe you could you could you could do a lot of them. Uh, the man you hear his name is Randy Bretz. Uh, I've, I've had uh, interactions with him uh, through my job and the many things that he's done uh, in his career and in the community as well. Uh, been in broadcasting, been in telecommunications, higher education. Uh, public corporation leadership, a, a, a whole lot of things, and uh, now an author as well. He wrote a book and published it, The People of Lincoln, uh, which share stories uh, about the people that he's talked to over the years and found interesting, which is, is interesting, Randy, because it's kind of the premise of this podcast is people in, in and around the community that I just I kind of find interesting. So I guess we have a common bond in interest in interesting people so to speak oh yeah right? we do we, we sure do we sure do yeah and and it's it's the people of lincoln which is the title of the book of course that that uh make me love this place so much because uh, i mean jack i know you've been in new york and everybody's amazed at the skyline in new york and you i don't know if you've been to paris uh, or or other places like that but you don't really get to know a place until you get down to the street level and, and talk to the people and get to know them. So that's why I called it the yeah. people of Lincoln, because that's what makes this city so special. I, I want to start with some of your background to kind of give context about your story and, and kind of how it led to this. Um, I know I know you came to Nebraska years ago from, from Indiana, but but tell me about kind of um, growing up, where you grew up, what you did, and, and how it all led up to you ending up being in Lincoln. <laughs> well, I, it's going to sound like I'm going to take a long time to tell this story, but uh, when I was in Cub Scouts in my hometown, Evansville, Indiana, that was back in the early 50s, the uh, Cub Scout uh, den mother took us to a brand-new TV station. Now, when I said in the early 50s, that should let you know that that new TV station was the only TV station in town. And it was brand new because they were just now coming on the air across the country. I was, I was just mesmerized by what I saw there. And I created, I went home that day and, and over the next few weeks, I created a television studio in my basement. <laughs> I made a camera out of a box. I put it on, 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 uh, broom handle poles and uh, my dad helped me i i took uh pieces of pvc and stuck rope in them to make them look like microphones and i just and i and i played television and then i played radio and that's what set me off on my career i'll jump forward to i majored in in broadcasting in uh, indiana state university years and years ago that's so i've spent time doing what you do i interview a lot of people I spun records back when they used to spin records. And then uh, my last job in broadcasting, though, was I was an anchorman. I made the transition from the control room to the newsroom, and I was an anchorman at a station in Indiana. But then 
Uh, I know, I know. This sounds like a long story, but then my hey, we second got a lot son. Of time. It's why I do a I, podcast, Randy. There's no time limits. It's the only that's time right. I get a that podcast in my life. Is, so it's were, basically like a radio interview, but you don't have a time limit. So not yeah. having a clock to look at is one of the most freeing <laughs> things in 16 years of broadcasting for me. Well, I won't go on too much longer, but I uh, this is this is kind of a fascinating thing. It tells you about how how little things uh, impact you in life. I put a note on the announcement for our second son's birth that you know one day Randy might want to work in a in in the at the university. This was Indiana State University. Somebody that I knew saw that and called me and said, "Are you serious about that?" I said, "Well, I kind of am. I haven't been looking for anything, but uh anyway, uh that led to a job at Indiana State University, which led to a job at Indiana University, which led to uh a, a job here at the University of Nebraska. That's what brought me here. So you got you got out so, of television media to go work in academia in some yeah. form. I knew that if I wanted to be a good father, and I'm not sure that I ever was, but I I, I guess so because my son's turned out all right. If I wanted to be a good father, I couldn't be in the news business because that is a demanding uh, business, and I had to move up, uh, you know, from from Indiana, maybe over to Chicago, maybe uh, hopefully then on to New York and Washington and uh, around the world, and I just thought. That's not a good career for a guy that wants to be a, a, a parent, and so, and I I don't regret that. I I uh, sometimes have missed the the, uh, the the excitement of working in the news media, but uh, I don't regret that decision at all. So what did what did you do when you went to Indiana State? What were you doing there? And then eventually, <laughs> as, you, as it moved you along. I was an admissions recruiter for Indiana State. That was my alma mater, really? and I ran around the state and and stopped at high schools. Every high school in southern Indiana, I went to at least twice, and and I gave speeches, and uh, so that kind of helped me with my public speaking. And I, you know, but that's what I did. And then uh, a, a friend of mine called. Uh, this is really digging into Randy's background. A friend of mine called and said, uh, actually, no, I was in Indianapolis, and I called uh, a woman who had been one of my favorite professors. And I said, you know, how are you doing? I'm in town. And she said, well, this is great. I'm just fine. Do you want a job? It was not quite that fast, but but uh, <laughs> that's when I made the transition from Indiana State to Indiana University. And I worked for a mouthful organization called the Indiana Higher Education Telecommunication System, IHETS. So, okay. and I, I worked there for a few years and then hopped over to the University of Nebraska where I, I worked in continuing studies and I worked with uh, public television in, in combining college courses with, with excellent content on television. And today, back in back in those days, this was back in the in, in late seventies and early eighties. That was high tech stuff. And today, what you and I are doing, we're talking to each other on Zoom. That's that's how you do it today. But uh, anyway, I know. So you had to put. Do you still have any uh, sycamores uh, gear? <laughs> I do. I do somewhere around. Of course, you can see Flat Steve behind me, and that's yeah, a do. whole other story that has nothing to do with what with the book. Actually, he's one of the great people of Lincoln. But uh, I've got some Sycamore stuff, but I don't know where it is. Okay. It's been a while since I graduated from there. There you go. Yeah, you probably you probably just missed out on the Larry Bird era then too, didn't you? I I went to school, same school as Larry Bird, but a different time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was working in Indianapolis uh, when he was the big star at Indiana State. That 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 tells uh, leads me to a story. Go ahead. And and since we've got what you say, it's a th- three hour interview. Yeah, whatever. It, there is no time limit. <laughs> uh, I got to bring my daughter to a strings camp here at three thirty. So that okay. is the only. That's the only thing I want to hear your stories. Well. My mother, uh, bless her heart, still lived in Indiana most of her life, uh, and she was a huge basketball fan because my dad coached, and she loved Larry Bird. And one night, this is after I lived here in Nebraska, I called her and said, Mom, how are you doing? Well, okay. 
And uh, usually she'd ask me about our kids, and, you know, she just kind of, I could tell she was preoccupied. And, I mean, I'm her favorite son, and, <laughs> and she's just kind of, you know, halfway listening to me. And I said, Mom, are you okay? She said, well, the, the uh, Boston's playing Chicago, and the score is tied. And there's one minute to go in the game. <laughs> okay, Mom, I will call you back later. Because <laughs> she was a Larry Bird fan until the day he hung up his jersey. And, uh, oh, gosh, when was this? It, uh, I, I managed to get a, uh, something signed by him, and I don't remember what it was. And I gave it to her at her... 80th birthday party, I think. Uh, something's time. And she didn't know that it was actually Larry's signature, but uh, I, I got his signature and gave it to her. I have that around here someplace, too, but I don't know where. It's in a box in the garage. So I know from reading the, the your introduction to your book that I, when you went made the, the move from Indiana to, to Lincoln that you didn't necessarily envision it at the time as a a permanent stop maybe it was no. kind of a, a stop along the way tell me a little bit about you know where you were in your life at that point and, and what you were thinking the future held for you well we had three sons and and uh, i had been to lincoln a couple of times and i liked the city uh and uh you know and nebraska public media at that time was known as nebraska educational television yep. I'm was, having a hard time still not calling it that by the way yeah but but <laughs> it, it was and still is considered one of the gems of the state of Nebraska, and and it was well thought of in in my world in higher education, and so I thought, well, I'll go over there and I'll work I'll work with them at the university and I'll finish uh, a graduate degree. I was working on a PhD, and uh, you know we'll be there for three or four years, and then maybe we'll hop back over to Indiana or somewhere like that. Well. After we got here, and Jan and the boys moved out and uh, finished my, my Ph.D. in 1982, we sat down and we said, well, you know, the boys are doing well in school. We've got good friends. The people here are just really, really nice. So let's stay. And we decided to, to stay. And I've never regretted that decision because um, I just, well, I, you know, the, the people here are great, not just in Lincoln, the whole state. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, Jack, uh, last Friday, Jan and I went to uh, a, a farewell dinner for 25 people from, I don't know how many countries in Africa, the Mandela Fellows that the university hosted. I don't know if you, you plugged into them at all while they were in town, but and they all stood up and said, this has been like being at home. And these are black people in the middle of a white community, you know, predominantly white. And they were saying how friendly people were in Lincoln and, and that they had met in other places. You know, they didn't go too far out of town, but uh, anyway, that just, that just underscores what I think, well, I, how I feel about the people in Lincoln. Yeah, that, it's interesting to, to hear you. You know, I, I hear people say that, but it was obviously enough of a tangible, real thing for you back in 1982 that it was, yeah. A big factor, right, in your decision about what you did going forward. There's, there, you know, you come, sometimes you hear that, Randy, and you kind of think, well, everybody says that about. Oh yeah, they say people, that about right? every town. Yeah. Yeah, right. But you, you, uh, it sounds like you don't necessarily believe you believe that to be at least somewhat exceptional. Well, and, and Jack, I'm sure you're familiar with my street. Uh, we were the nicest place in Nebraska in 2020. Incidentally, I don't know if, uh, just to just to point that out. <laughs> but 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 during COVID, uh, and I and I knew my neighbors, but I called them honk and wave neighbors. You know, I'd drive down the street and wave at them when they're out mowing the yard or whatever. But during COVID, we actually got to know each other, and I think this is this was true pretty much across the state, across the city. Uh, because we were outside more often, and it was safe to be outside among people. And we ended up, gosh, I think it was in June when I realized we've been out here for an hour. We would go out every night at 8 o'clock, and we would stand and talk to each other. 
And to this day, I mean, that was two years two years ago. To this day, uh, I feel a, a lot closer to those people. And I don't want to just talk about my street, but this is where I live. But right. it's true uh, across the across the community. Yeah, I just sat in Tierra Park this morning drinking coffee at at uh, my favorite bench down there. And oh gosh, I can't think of her name. She stopped by, and she was she lives south uh south of me and she was talking about uh her neighbors and the people that she's gotten to know just because of covid so mm. i'm yeah. rambling all over the place here so no, i love no, get me get me back on track no well okay one more i want to get just a little, i want to get more into to the book and kind of the impetus for it but then just it, just to kind of give more context with you know your connections the interactions with you that you've had with people in lincoln tell us just about a little bit about what you've been doing during your your time in Lincoln and and how how those intersections kind of okay. developed into into what we uh, what we see now. Well, I worked at the university for a number of years, and then I then I uh, was asked by a church to come and start a media program there, and I did that for a number of years. So that kind of connects me with a pretty broad faith community. Then I went back to the university and and uh, worked with actually with land grant universities all across the country, but I was back at at, at the University of Nebraska and Nebraska ETV, and then um, I worked for a company called Fax Management, which became part of Nelnet. So that's a little bit of Randy's work history. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing, uh, Jack, is. Um, it's connected me with the education community. It's connected me with the faith, uh, you know, pretty broad cross-section of the faith community. Uh, and when I worked for Nelnet, I plugged into the Chamber of Commerce because I was our representative at the Chamber. And I connected in with the business community through that. And I think that's part of what has given me a pretty broad network of people like you like you look at yeah. you you know here you are and a a, a failed attorney trying to make a living <laughs> trying to make a living at as a as a broadcaster and but but think of the think of the network of people that you have yeah. no it's 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 cool it's incredible uh, it's it's funny you bring that up because here's a weird intersection of our stories when i was practicing law let's say circa 2003 2004 I did. Uh-huh. I did. Uh, I registered and defended all the trademarks for fax management. I don't well, remember that. I did. I was. Uh, you probably only knew the name of the firm. I was the grunt work, but uh, I was the one doing all the, all the stuff registering, and, oh, and okay. that got me. That got me. In, you know, it's interesting doing that for fax and handful of other local companies was got me. It was the one thing I enjoyed most about my job as an attorney. There's a lot of things I didn't enjoy, but but the the intellectual property stuff, the trademark stuff, yeah. getting involved in that, and I I use it a ton now. So it's just kind of a funny. They used to, I remember they had the old mortarboard cap that was on it. I remember the marks. I registered them all. I, oh I yeah, all of oh those yeah. Things. So that's 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 funny. Um, well, okay. some from some friends of mine started that company, and at one point in time. I was kind of looking for a move, and one of them called me and said, "Brett, I got a job for you." And so I made, I hopped over to Fax Management. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun—yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So tell me about the impetus for this book. And for people um, who don't know, and the name of the book is The People of Lincoln. I've had a chance uh, to get my hands on it. Uh, and and delve into it a little bit, but it is it is essentially um, it's kind of profiles of people in Lincoln, and you 
sort of have these sort of categories that that they fit mm-hmm. into. I guess uh, tell me a little bit about the when the idea for this came to you. If you've been thinking it for a long time, thinking about it for a long time, and and why exactly? It's, it's an interesting story. Um, toward the end of my career, my wife and I participated in Leadership Lincoln's Executive Series. And, uh, and it's going to sound like I'm going off on a tangent again, but I had asked to do that. And the guy I reported to said, but Brett's, that's for new people in town. You've been living here for 35 years. And I said, I don't care. I want to do it anyway. And so Jan and I uh, participate in the executive series. Uh, that's uh, Steve and Linda Joel were part of that. And, and, um, Oh, shoot. I can't think of some of the other names. But anyway, that gave me a broader view of, of Lincoln and the people that, that run the city, the, you know, the, the city government, county government, the, uh, univ- the, the state government, business, uh, healthcare, all of that. And during that year, uh, Dean Finnegan, who, uh, wrote the code, the uh, intro to the book, Dean Finnegan uh, invited a guy by the name of, of uh, oh, shoot, now I'm drawing a blank, Peter Kagiyama. He came up. He's written a book called For Love of Cities. Yes. And he spoke to us uh, at, at, our, at a banquet. And he talked about people called co-creators, C-O hyphen creators. And he said, these are people that see something that needs to be done. Maybe, it you know, you need new playground equipment in a park or you need a program at the school or we've got people here that have started little free pantries and these people just say well that needs to be done and they go about doing it and they don't wait for mayor gaylor bear to send a proclamation and say would you go do this Mm -hmm. they just do it and so and then and then the dean started saying randy why don't you interview some people? We have got a lot of people like that in Lincoln. So I just started interviewing uh, co-creators, and and uh, the Journal Star would publish them. Well, while I was doing that, I uh, I was retired. I retired, and then I started working kind of part time for a Leadership Lincoln. And Mick Hale was the executive director at the time, and he said, "Well, Bretts, why don't you broaden that and interview alumni of Leadership Lincoln?" And your wife is one of them. I knew you are, Jack. And so yeah. I started doing that. And then while I was doing that, so that's the second category. Co-creators, leadership Lincoln, or, or leaders in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And the third category grew out of that. I started talking to people that were born in, born here in Nebraska, moved away looking for some famous who knows what. And then, you know what? I came. I came back because this is a great place to live. The boomerangers. Monty, Monty, yeah. yeah, the boomerangers. And Monty Olson is is a classic example. Uh, Scott Baird, the mayor's husband, uh, he drug his wife here from Portland, Oregon, and uh, you know because he's a he's a, a boomeranger. And uh, anyway, I, I should I shouldn't say he did drug her here. They made a conscious decision to come back here because they they felt this was a great place. Yeah. So those are the three categories, and that's kind of how that. There's a new category that I'm working that I'm going to start working on. Uh, do you know Randy and Jan Bretz? <laughs> they moved here in 1979 and enjoyed it so much they stayed. And I am running into a lot of people like Randy and Jan Bretz. Yeah, uh, and uh, so I'm going to start adding that to my category of people. I don't know what. I, all right, Jack. Put your put your creative cap on and give me a good name for that group. Uh, the uh, well, it's like it's like you boomerang, but it never comes back. <laughs> it's like the the, the stickers. <laughs> That's the not sticker. a good one. I don't know. We need to we need to workshop this a little bit more, Randy, before you put. Okay. It in the well, I wrote stickers <laughs> down, but come up with a good name for me, and and because uh, that's the next category of people. But I I wrote those stories and they published them in the Journal Star. Uh huh. And then I kept having people say, you ought to take those and turn them into a book. And so I got a hold of the people at the Journal Star, and I said, who owns those words? Yeah. And they said, well, Randy, since we didn't pay you to write those stories, they're good stories, but you own the words. So, so you can the rest is history. I yeah. turned around, and, and I have about 50 interviews that I've done. 
and I grabbed 15 of them or 16 of them and put them in the book. What um so so I'm curious, what did you what did you learn? What did you take like did you go into this, you know, when you started doing it and and through leadership Lincoln and 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 through some of these things. I don't know, you know, kind of where your mind was on this, what you wanted to find out um or wanted to get to through that, but was there anything that sort of surprised you or a common thread or you you saw yourself thinking about after doing all of these or or many of these interviews? Well, for the boomerangers, the common thread is the quality of life that we have here. That's why they come back. It, it, it you know, relates to family. It relates to pace of life. I just had coffee with uh, Kristen uh, Wilder uh, last week, and she she lived in L.A. Talk about a fast pace. Mm-hmm. And she was heavily involved in, in what's going on in Hollywood. And uh, she came back because she has two daughters that she wanted to raise here and be close to family. But we were just talking about the pace of life is so much more relaxed here. So that's one common thread. And and another is, um, you know, the cost of living is a lot less here than than in in a lot of places. I know people complain about this, that, and the other. But good grief, look at at housing prices in in, uh, Kansas City. Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and you can live a, a pretty comfortable life here. Yeah. So those are two things that, yeah. that kind of well, come up. It's interesting you say that because there are so much conversation going on kind of policy-wise and in the business community about what it is that attracts, you know, for one, young mm-hmm. people to stay in Lincoln, young people to come to Lincoln, and then the, the boomerangers to come back to Lincoln. There's always a lot of debate and theories about what that is exactly but a lot of that stuff that you were saying comes up a lot and then there's a lot of other stuff that i don't know if it's factors in or not but gets talked about as well Uh, i have i have a story that i want to tell about a young woman that lives in hemingford nebraska way the heck out there practically into wyoming and montana and south dakota north of scotts bluff her name is is uh, page paradise Paige grew up on a ranch out there, went to Hastings College, got a degree in marketing, and landed a great job in Chicago. And she was flying all over the country on her in her in her job in marketing. And she just said, Randy, I really missed Nebraska. She quit her job, did not have another job to go to. There wasn't even a guy that she had dated in high school or whatever. She quit her job and moved back to the ranch. But what she knew was they had fiber optics that went to that ranch house. And every, actually every house in, in that county, I forget what county it is, but every house has fiber. And we're blessed here in Lincoln with, with aloe, uh, and the fiber that they have. And they didn't pay me for that, but anyway. <laughs> Paige uh, now uh, is married, has two kids, and she is uh, still involved in marketing. She has a list of clients. She works with uh, uh, several other people that are also remote. So I think that's part of what, uh, if we have such a great style of life here and relaxed atmosphere, and if we get people the right kind of connections, I think we can draw more people back to Lincoln and and back to Nebraska. I want to talk more about that. And oh, go Tony ahead. Tony Goins Tony Goins yeah. didn't pay me to say that, but <laughs> but uh, that's 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 the truth. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I know Tony too. On on uh, in the first segment on on the co-creators, you you, you gave a little yes, description. Sir. You told us about what they were, and I read through of them. But I'm I'm kind of interested in kind of more your in depth because one of these things you talked about with with this group of people is the motivation to just do it without being without waiting to be told to do it essentially mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. a, a self-starter what kind of you know what kind of commonalities what drove what drove these people what did you find out that was interesting and, and maybe surprising to you as you got to know those people a little bit deeper in these conversations oh gosh um i don't have a good answer to that uh, I'm, I'm just going to kind of make something up here. As my wife says, I, I always do. I think part of it is just the nature of the, of people. And it's not just 
people in Nebraska. I think people all over the world are this way. Uh, if you let them be this way, uh, they see something that needs to be done and they act on it. And, uh, it's just that, you know, I've, I've pointed some out here in, in Lincoln and in, in Nebraska and Peter Kagiyama does it he, to read his book. He sees them all over the country. But I think it's just, it's just general nature of people. They want to be helpful, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. So I hope that's a, an acceptable answer no it's 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 fine what what's your kind of hope uh, what's your hope for this this book like like what kind (laughs) of an impact it has or or what people do with it or take away from it when they when they well i the thing i'm hoping is uh and uh, i can't remember jack if you grew up in lincoln but i I we moved here about just shortly after you did and i was eight years old in 1986 so well you know, I mean, we've got a, a, a nice skyline, but it's not dramatic like New York or Paris or, or whatever. We don't have mountains. We don't have the ocean. But what we do have in spades is just wonderful people. And that's, that's my bottom line is I want to tell that story. Uh, I think most of the books so far have been sold to people in Lincoln. But I'm hoping that those stories, and I post them on on Facebook and Instagram and and uh, Twitter and so forth. But I hope that those stories get out and people either people moved away and and you know to say, hey, maybe I, we ought to move back, or people like Randy and Jan Bretts that live somewhere else and say, you know what, I'm going to go to that state because I read about people there. Mm-hmm. So that's I, and that's my bottom line, really. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. I want to ask kind of you to help me with your your experience and, and your thoughts. And I know you think a lot about connections. It, it strikes me that it's more and more rare for us to have, as a society, connections with people who are different than us, uh, especially, oh, wow. especially when it comes to being different in the way that we think about the most divisive things in, in our society. And sometimes it feels to me, this sounds oversimplistic, because those, you know, the, the connections we have are behind a computer screen um, to some degree with those people. How big of a problem is that when it comes to <laughs> just that sometimes the general dysfunction that feels like it it's going around the entire country? Jack, you must have been looking at my reading list. Right now I'm reading a book called Collaborative Intelligence. And they talk about the the importance and necessity that we have as humans to connect with one another. Uh, not too long ago, I read a book called The Upswing by Robert Putnam. Uh, and maybe people have heard of a book that he wrote called Bowling Alone. And uh, this issue goes way, way back. And, and in that, in that book, he talks about, uh, at the turn of the century, the, the last century, the late 1800s, early 1900s, we were a very divided society. And I won't go into the, the details of that, but, um, what brought us together were organizations like the Kiwanis, the Rotary. Uh, there wasn't a an act of Congress. There wasn't a president. There wasn't you know a a a top down move. It was people saying, "I, I want to do better than this. I want to get together," and and that's why I'm so active in my Rotary Club because I feel like that that you know that can help bring us together again. 
I also read a book by uh, the former, uh, um, what the heck was he, former uh, national advocate for health and whatever, uh, Surgeon General. Struggled to come with his title. But the title of the book is called Together. And he talks about the healing power of the human connection. Uh, and, and he doesn't play down the electronic connection. Cause you and I are talking on a podcast and people walk around now listening to podcasts and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's, that's, to me, that's all part of, of the connections that we need and that we have. So. I, uh, I'm concerned, and, and I know you are too, of the division in our society. And, uh, I hope that, and I'm doing what I can. That's part of why I've written these, these stories is to say, well, I may not agree with that person because of their faith. I may not agree with them because of their political outlook, but let's find a place, a way to connect and, and, and bring them together. I have found, you know, as you said, I've, I've, made a lot of connections um, through my job. And and one thing I think I've learned, um, you know, just through life, but, but my job too, is that a person that you actually connect with, that you talk with, that you sort of do life with, is, is always <laughs> better than you think they are when you just know who they are through social media or connect with them that way or 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 you know or you know them through your disagreements they're never people are never as scary or bad as they seem for the most part <laughs> when you actually connect with them have have you seen that have you found that that to be true too i'm sure you've run across oh yeah people oh who, yeah who you think okay this this person's kind of a jerk or this person thinks some crazy <laughs> stuff usually and maybe they still do but when you when you know them when you sit down and talk to them it's so much harder to to think of it kind of one-dimensionally like that well, two, two, two things. Uh, Maya Angelou, I love, I love this quote by Maya Angelou. It's very hard to hate someone if you look them in the eye and recognize them as a human being. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and part of what prompted me to get in touch with you about this interview was, was my friend Andrew Loudon. You interviewed him about uh, his high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Andrew and I are on very different poles when it comes to political uh, orientation, but we're friends because we know each other and we, we kind of joke about, you know, with each other about things. But, uh, and I, you know, what Maya Angelo says is very true. It's hard to hate somebody if you really get to know them. And I don't think it's that you overlook the differences, but you go beyond the differences. So. Yeah, it's there's, all, there's there's Randy's philosophy. Well, and, and I see that it's interesting, even Andrew. I th- I think of him when I think of that because he, you know, he everybody knows what he thinks, but everybody also likes him, and that's such a weird for the most part. I'm sure there's maybe people. Oh, out can there. I can I quote you on that? <laughs> yeah, don't tell him. <laughs> don't tell him. Uh, but because it's even you know, it's interesting, Randy. I have people I've known for a long time, and I've liked, and I've had no problems with and then you know i'll see something that they're posting on facebook or they'll see something yeah. on Twitter, oh yeah and, and oh, i'll yeah. be like that's who and you know what i'll do randy i will mute them or i will get rid of them because i don't want to i don't want to not like them right hmm. i mean it just shows you how quickly that relation the, the 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 difference between spending time knowing somebody even and and then just so, what happens with social media i don't necessarily have a cure for this other than then it feels like man we need to spend more time in with people with yes. people physically uh, or talking to people like this that does not simply just focus on convincing them of why they're wrong one of yeah, my favorite side of that yeah one of my favorite talks at uh, tedx lincoln years ago was Stuart chittenden and Stuart moved here from england so it's not that different from from the united states but he moved here from england and i think it was to uh, to uh, uh, it was a friendship or relationship with a woman in in omaha and he decided he wanted to get to know the state so he got in his car with a little sign that says uh, sit down and let's have a conversation and he went out across the state 
And uh, he's not that different looking. So when you would see him in Ord, Nebraska, or right. in Hemingford, or whatever, you might not think, "Well, this is strange." But um, he he came back and he had some really interesting conversations with people, and which to me proves the the very thing that that we've just been talking about. When you get to know people, it's hard to uh, it's hard not to like them. So. Yeah, I have had. I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm going to make a sign, and I'm just going to go sit in, in places in, uh, in Mississippi, and say, "Come talk to me." That's your next book. <laughs> That's your next book, Randy. I would be. By the way, I'd be fascinated. I would be fascinated. Uh, that'd be a good, maybe be a good reality show. I don't know. Get the TV, get the TV stuff back. But it that remind it, it reminds me too. I've, you know, being in media, and, and you know this from from your days in media. Um, there, there are a lot of people who are not don't hold back very much in their critique or their disdain for oh, for, yeah. what, for whatever reason. For and maybe it's deserved sometimes, and and other time, and and when that comes to, and then I get that, and I hear it, and I get very defensive too. And it almost, almost, I would say eighty percent of the time, Randy, when I then have a conversation in some form with these people who have a problem with something that I said or who I am, we, first of all, they're surprised to hear, to hear yeah. back, but it changes the dynamic on both of our sides, on my side too, because I come in defensive and, and angry. And it, I mean, I had, I had a guy, um, uh, on, on social media who just, he didn't like, he thought, thought I had an agenda, thought some things were going on. We went back and forth, back and forth, on back and forth on social media. And at one point he said, you know what, let's go to lunch sometime. And we went to lunch. We went and, uh, and, and got Fat Jack's barbecue, and we sat there. We didn't talk about anything other about, than about our kids. And, and the, they played in the same baseball leagues that mine did growing up and all of mm-hmm. these different things. And now I see him online, and it's, it's a different – it's a different – there's context. It's – it's so different, and and again, I know I'm just beating a dead horse, saying the same thing over and over again. And I wish I had a better. No, you're not beating a dead horse. But, you are igniting a flame of of caring and of connecting. So don't call it beating a dead horse. I think you're yeah. igniting something that that needs to be ignited. Yeah. How do we make? How do we do that? <laughs> like, how do we do that though, Randy? Uh, what? You know, it's it's sit on a podcast and tell people to go out to lunch with people. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. But I, and I know you you made a step with it. You talked about it, getting to know your your neighbors and those sorts of things. And there's mm-hmm. stories out there, but I don't know how you make kind of a sea change in well, this at any point. But I think that's what's needed. There's an organization that I haven't really plugged into too deeply, but it's called Living Room Conversations. And the idea is that you purposefully invite people into your living room or it can be your kitchen your family room doesn't matter but uh that that come from different uh, perspectives and just have a conversation and you you know you invite them I, they could be neighbors they could be co-workers uh you know people that you know from other walks of life there was a young woman that spoke at tedx lincoln uh several years ago um and she talked about doing that very thing she was surprised that some of her neighbors, uh, you know, had such different beliefs than she had, and she actually wore a purple dress uh, when she when she talked, so that she didn't want to wear red or blue to show to show her uh, her uh, political <laughs> affiliation. But I, maybe that's a new right radio Kim, segment. Maybe I Kim new radio Howe. segment. <laughs> maybe I bring on two people who don't don't agree on something and we talk about everything but the thing they don't agree on and there you and go see what there you see go how they're see how they relate or 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 make it like the uh like a blind dating game and they've got to go out and have a lunch and report back after it's all over well, why don't you start segment. why don't you start that with, with brett's and loudon <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come on your show you, and we'll you, talk about everything but what we don't agree on oh, you guys you guys are too doubt you guys are doing it okay though you guys are already doing it right so that would be that, that would really be. And it, it, the other thing randy I'll, I'll throw out there is what i've you know it's a difficult balance in in my industry right now 
for for radio because there are so many out there that I truly believe are out there to profit on dividing us. And yeah. I, I, I hate that about our industry, but I also don't think you you change it by abandoning it, to be honest. Um, and so I haven't. There have been people who said, who have told me that I should do that, and I, I haven't done it. But I've also found, you know, that, you know, it's a, we do a news talk show. I talk about what's happening in the community. Of course, when the news are things that are overtly political and potentially divisive, yeah, you, you've got to talk about them, and I try my best. Mm-hmm. I don't always excel in it in talking about a way that is not going to alienate extensively anyone, although I probably slip up sometimes. But what I've also found is, man, on, on a whole lot of other things that we talk about, whether there, there are just a list of things. If I talk about food, it is, <laughs> it is unbelievably uniting. I do a tournament of restaurants every March, and left, right, you know, men, women, straight, gay, everybody, in the, everybody is interested in that. When I talk about common experiences in Lincoln, when I talk about nostalgia, when I talk about music and entertainment, mm-hmm. and, and, and you, you, there are all these topics that all of a sudden I'm on one thing, and I'm, I'm pissing off half the city, and then I'm on another <laughs> thing, and it's like the whole city can't get enough of it. It's such a it, it's such a fascinating thing, and and I think an encouraging thing too. I you know, I told you I talked to a woman in the in down in Tierra Park this morning, and she was talking about uh, she saw a snake on the uh, on the walkway, and she said so I poked snake to get a better picture to see what uh, to ask people what kind of snake was it, and people really went off on her about poking the snake. How could, how could you how could you you know harm that poor thing? And she said, all I did was touch it with a stick. I didn't beat it or anything. But people can get so worked up about about poking a snake in a park. But all anyway, kinds all kinds of things. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Um, anything else you want to add on, uh, Randy, on, on the book or anything else or, or where people can, can get it? Or, uh, I just want to open, open up well, the door for you. Anything else you wanted to say? It's available at Francie and Finch, a local bookstore. It's actually available online too. If you just Google the people of Lincoln, uh, you can, uh, I, I put it online so you can print a copy. I haven't put it out there digitally yet for Kindle. I might do that next, but uh, it was kind of a fun ex- exercise. I told you I was in broadcasting, so I know how to produce TV programs, YouTube and whatever, and I've done a lot of audio done interviews like you're doing. I had never published a book, and it was a it was a fascinating process of of you know where where do you get the ISBN number on it, and you know getting the cover done. Uh, I didn't talk about that. I would, let me let me conclude with that. Yeah. Uh, because the woman that helped me, Cindy Conger, uh, Conger helped me edit this. And she said, well, Randy, one of the first things you need to do is to get a cover art. Uh, okay. And so I started asking a few people that I knew, uh, artists and, and, uh, graphic people. And then I saw Ed Mija, uh, had done the new Lincoln flag. And I was very fascinated with how he went about doing that. And so I got a hold of him, and I said, Ed, would you be interested and willing to do a a cover for a book that I'm working on? And we talked, and he said, yeah, I'll I'll come back with a few ideas. And so he sketched out some ideas. 
And one of them, which, uh, you know, you can see because you've got a copy, mm-hmm. one of them was hands of people around a frame, and you just call it the framework of community. And I love that story and, 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 uh, the idea. So that's what we did. The book itself, actually, those are people that were in the book that, that got together one Saturday, uh, afternoon and put their hands on a frame. And then we snapped a picture and that's how the cover became uh, what it is. So those are the actual people that, uh, that wrote the book. Or that are in the book. That are in the book. It's there. It's yeah. there actually. By the way, I know I know Cindy Conger very well. I've known her for for years, and and so she does a great job with that. She helped my mom yeah. on, on her book too. So. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's that's. Uh, yeah. I'll give I'll give a free plug out to my uh, mom's book. It's. Uh, let's see. I hope I can remember the name. It's. Uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, it's grief and gratitude, and and uh, it's actually a collection of Facebook posts that she did. This was like seven years ago after my my dad passed away, and and. Uh, was um was kind of going through that process so anybody ever is going through that grieving process of losing a loved one losing a spouse um i think it might be something that you'll um that that you'll find helpful during that time so you can check that out and it's another local grief and gratitude i love that i have to get that yeah go go check that out by by uh her name is roseanne liesfeld so L I E S V E L D, you can get it on Amazon. Here I am plugging. Here I am plugging my family's own stuff on your pod, your guest podcast. <laughs> That's all right. Randy. Hey, uh, uh, Randy, I, w- I want to thank you for doing this. I've always, uh, it's hard to walk away from a conversation um, with you without some, just some real positivity about a whole lot of things, and I appreciate that about you. And I hope you, I hope you continue to to talk about connections and and push for connections and. And um, and and do that because I think it's even more important than we realize right now. The only problem I have, Jack, is I don't have enough time. Yeah. I met a young woman yesterday, and I said oh, I've got to interview her. And so I interview her, and then it takes you know that's an hour, and then it takes time to sit down and write it and so forth. But this city is full of just wonderful people, including the guy I'm looking at on the Zoom screen right now. So thank you for thank your, you. thank you for the interview. Thank you for uh, giving up your lucrative law career to 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 live live in the in the, uh, in the in uh, the. <laughs> and I guess I will say thank you for at least allowing my friend Andrew Loudon to come on and talk about. A, a a reunion. Yeah, well, I had to so. get him to quit sending me messages asking about it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for your time, Randy. I really sure. appreciate it. Talk again.